0: This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% off your jig order.
1: Welcome to the Paddle and Femme Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as the angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milford. Welcome to Bass Fishing for Nudes on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm Ryan Milford, as always, and today we got a very special guest, Mr. Doug Markle. Doug has worked at the TWRA for several years. He's had TV shows. He's had radio shows. He's wrote books. Very big into the Tennessee wildlife uh, industry with fishing and hunting and all that and so it's a real pleasure to have him on here,
2: uh, Doug. How you doing today? Thanks, Ryan. I'm doing good. I've been fishing this very day. I Didn't do great fishing day, but I was on the water and doing really well. I hadn't been out in a few weeks, so it felt good. And and so very honored to be on your show. I appreciate you having me on.
1: I appreciate you coming on. It's it's an honor to have you. you you're, you're kind of kind of a celebrity in here in the here in Tennessee in the uh, hunting and fishing industry. You know, a lot of people know you, a lot of people respect you. So, uh I'm ho- hoping we can get some some good information out of you, some good insight. Uh would, would you want to just run over real quick, you know, give a little give people a little more background
2: on you, um just some more get to know you a little better. Sure. Uh Ryan, I appreciate it. I you know, I worked for TWA, I retired a year ago from the agency and um, but I worked there for 31 years, worked with a lot of great folks that care a whole lot about the outdoors, and uh, I was lucky. I worked in the information field. I wasn't a biologist like like so many of them are, or a wildlife officer. I was an information person, and grew up here in Middle Tennessee. I went to Father Ryan High School and MTSU, and so I'm a Middle Tennessee guy, and got lucky a long time ago. and met a wildlife officer in Giles County while I was working for a small newspaper down there, and told me about a job at TWRA that was like two miles from where I grew up, so I applied for it and uh, was lucky and got to work there for a, a long time and see some really cool stuff done through the years, and, and as a part of uh, watching the wildlife folks do all their work and the fishery guys do all their work, I met some folks in the in the media industry, uh, Vernon Sermon, Jimmy Glenn smith and um, some of the folks that worked on TV and radio, and got lucky to get invited on their show and just kind of went from there and created some of my own TV and and radio stuff, especially radio, and, and then I wrote a couple of books that were just about the outdoors. One was a history book on the restoration of wildlife in Tennessee, and one was a fishing book where I talked to, Vernon Summer and I talked to really great fishermen around here about how they catch fish and how the, their methods on different lakes across the state, so they, we wasn't, wasn't us telling you how to do it. We talked to some folks that were really, really good at the time, and and uh, that's that's where I am. That's what I've done through the years, and and retired last year, and uh, let somebody else take over younger, and hopefully they'd come along and do a whole lot better work.
1: Well, you've definitely
2: accomplished a lot. You've done a lot
1: as far as promoting, you know, wildlife, um, all all the wildlife stuff in Tennessee. Um, <laughs> I know, you know me and some guys we used to work with. When we used to have to work a lot of Saturdays, and so Saturday morning on the way into work, we'd be listening to Outdoors Doug Markham on 99.7, and you know we we could we weren't heading to the lake, but we kind
2: of feel like it by listening to y'all on there. <laughs> I appreciate that. I felt like that was a lot of the audience, Ryan. Where there's you know we're a pretty big city now, and there are a lot of folks that were going to work on Saturdays five o'clock in the morning and uh it was the perfect time for an outdoor show five to seven and a lot of folks were going to work or at work and some were going hunting and fishing and but there's it, it just just with a lot of folks that just were doing their job and listening to what they could of the show before they got there or after they got off
1: yeah it was it was definitely uh nice having that whenever you weren't actually able to get out there Oh, it
2: might have hurt. Might have hurt your feelings sometimes because there were some great guests on there <laughs> that made me want to go just really, just as soon as I could. But there's a, uh, uh, you know, it was it was definitely a, a guest-driven show. There's just so much talent around uh, around here, and people that have so much drive to get out there and fish and hunt and and share their knowledge. That's what I always appreciated is how much people were willing to share their knowledge about the outdoors here in Tennessee.
1: Um, well, so, you, so you said your your fishing didn't go too good today, huh?
2: No, I went out on Percy Priest today, and I hadn't been out in a couple months. So uh, the last time I went was, oh gosh, I guess mid-July, and had a good day. Of course, this time of year, I'll go out a, or a little earlier this time of year in the summer. I just want to keep fishing. And I'm not a night guy, so I just I start trolling, and I'll enjoy for about two months of trolling and had a really good trip, and this is the time of year I'll go back to casting and hopefully get into some bass or crappie on Priest casting. But today it was tough. There, there's were uh, those small. there been a hatch on Priest, and those small shad are schooling, and they're on the surface. At least they were early, and uh, there's, a, there's, there's fish in them, and you can see the fish below them. But I had a tough time getting them to bite today. But I think that, that in the next few weeks, if this weather ever breaks, that the fishermen are going to have a great time.
1: Uh, were, were you fishing for anything specific? I, I know with us uh, being friends on Facebook, you fish for you know quite a few different species. So were, were you fishing for anything specific today?
2: I I, I fish for fish, whatever was in the bait. Uh, well, you know, bass is what I thought we would probably catch, or or hybrids, or maybe you know stripe and white bass in in those fish. And so that's I was hoping that they would be active today. I took Mark Goodland, who works for TWRA. I'd promised him a trip when one of his buddies was in town from Wisconsin. Of course, I invited his buddy back because we can do better. Uh, but this is a day we had set aside about a month ago. and and So I was hoping against hope. I was hoping we'd find some of those bait in, bait in the back of coves or in the creeks and, and maybe the fish would be in them. And they were all around them. I just couldn't get them off the bottom. We were, we were jigging, spooning some, and then if they came up, which was kind of rare today, we were throwing spoons or topwater baits. And trying to get them that way, and we caught two or three, but nothing like I think it's going to be here in a few weeks when those things will be all over the place.
1: I, I can't wait for that fall bite. Um, I actually, I, I was telling you about this earlier. I went out on Stones River this, this past weekend, and I only went out there for like a couple hours, and I ended up getting a eighteen and three quarter inch uh, largemouth and. So I'd say that's probably like just under four pounds, something
2: like that. Uh, I saw that one on your Facebook. I think that's the fish you're talking about. That was a nice well, fish.
1: Well, I, after that, the one you probably saw, I ended up hanging into uh, a five point six nine pounder. Oh, sweet! It, the one—that's the
2: one that had the buggy eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That, that's my new personal best, right there. I'm real proud of that, right there.
2: Oh, I would be. That was great. and um, uh, It looked like it was buggy-eyed and, and a great picture of you on your Facebook page with that fish. So uh, I wish we'd done that today. Uh, that would have made our day without a doubt.
1: Well, it it, it caught me by complete surprise. I've I told a couple people about it. I, I was throwing a jig around uh, some some wood structure that was cut probably 30, 40 feet off the bank. And I'd done casts around it about two or three times, and that last time I went to, uh, like, I had been working it, and I was about to reel it back in to recast it, and as soon as I started reeling it, slammed it, and uh, I set the hook on it, and I, I keep my drag pretty tight on my jig rod, and I'm sitting there reeling it in, and, and my spool ain't moving, so I, so I knew then it had, had some weight to it. Oh,
2: that's, but it, that's nice. Yeah, that's a nice surprise, there. That's two good fish in a day, though, but that, that one is be, that's a super nice fish right now. And so um, I I just think it's just going to get better and better now. I'm looking at the forecast in the weeks ahead, and this awful stuff that we're going through right now is going to go away. Not that it can be bad. I, I know we were thinking about talking about some of the creek fishing tonight. Uh, the, the hotter it got in summertime on the creeks, the better I liked it. And I, I don't know where you were exactly when you caught that fish, but it looks like you were back up somewhere. And uh, those fish that get up in these creeks this time of year, and they just really get active. And, and the heat can sometimes work for you and sometimes work against you.
1: Yeah, I, I think I just got lucky. But, uh, you know, <laughs>
2: I've,
1: I've, I've had a lot of people, you know, try to – Asked me where where I was. I just tell them Stones River. I ain't told nobody the exact location. Uh,
2: <laughs> I don't blame you for that. And I don't know did uh, part of your battle with up there in Stones River. are You having to fight the leaves yet up there? That that would be the only reason I kind of got off the creeks uh, this time of year. During normal years, when the when the leaves are falling more, was because the leaves on the surface sometimes would mess you up a little bit. Uh, but that's the only reason, and just because of the way I fished. It, it kind of affected the way I fished, or liked to fish back then, when I spent so much time in there. But uh, it's Stones River is, is uh, if you can get around to all that, it's just a great place to fish, whichever whichever fork you were in.
1: Yeah, I uh, I, I had to deal with like that. There are quite a few leaves on there. It, it wasn't like really bad, but that, there there were some leaves there on the water that uh, you know it kind of hindered the top water. You know, trying to, trying to work a topwater bait on, on there. Specifically the Whopper yeah. Flopper, that, that's my go-to topwater bait. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that'd be a little tough. It will be a little tough a little later. Uh, but, you know, it's oh, yeah. extended this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that, that was a good fish. Now, was that a pitcher fish, or are you going to have that thing mounted?
1: No, I I, I put it back. Um, so, Something I try to live by, you know, if, any living creature, You know, I I don't like to kill it unless it's to eat or self-defense, and I wasn't going to eat it, so I didn't want to kill it, just, you know, put it on the wall, especially these days when you can get replicas so easy, and so, you know, I just took my pictures with it, put it, sent it back home, you know, maybe I can go out there and catch it again one day,
2: you never know. Right, I agree Uh, with that philosophy completely, and... Uh, because you can, there's so many, you can take measurements now. And, you know, one little, I don't know how many people have figured out through the years that the, the TWRA offers a certificate for trophy fish. And if you do the measurements and all that, and you can take your picture like you did and get a certificate from them that commemorates the day. And you can actually, through all these different various fish, there's probably 20 or 30 of them on there, uh, you can actually begin a competition with yourself. About catching these fish that are in the trophy range and get and get that certificate and commemorate it. And uh, a few years ago, I went fishing with uh, Rick McFerrin, who's a really good fisherman and guided for a while. And he caught one over on Nickajack that was almost 11 pounds. And that's what he did instead of putting it on the wall. And he, he took good measurements of it and and did the certificate route. That
1: that's really cool. I've heard of other states doing that. I. You know, I never looked into whether or not Tennessee did that. Do you know with with bass? Do you know how big they have to be to uh, I, get I'd, it? I'd
2: have to I'd have to look at it. I think it's twenty or twenty one inches. You would have got in it with that. They go by inches, okay, uh, not by weight. And so you'd have to look on their site. It's tnwildlife.org. dot org. That sounds like my old self, but it's <laughs> tn it's wildlife dot org and and uh, you can find their certificates on there. And a lot of photographs, you can send your photographs in, but a lot of photographs on there are people with their trophy fish, and and um, and it tells you each fish the length it has to be. And, and uh, that one you caught, the second one you caught definitely, would be a one you could get a certificate for. And it's signed by the director of the agency. It might be a computer signing, but it's signed. Actually, I think he actually signs them himself. Uh, but it's signed by him and also by the chief of fisheries at TWRA. So it's kind of a cool thing to have uh, through the years. Uh, yeah, that, you may not remember who the chief was or who the director was, but it, it's got a little historic value to it.
1: That, that's really cool. I, I wish I would have got you know, better pictures of the measurement and stuff now where I could send it in. Uh, oh, well, I, you,
2: if yeah, you could do it. You're supposed to. Have somebody that that was not necessarily a witness in you, but it was. If I'm remembering right, Ryan, that, that will certify that yes, you did do this. It's not like a, it's not like a, a world, a world record or a state record. Right. We have to have it go made. You know, it's an honor system, and if, if you got the measurements in there and want to send it in, they'll they'll accept it and and send you a certificate. It's called TARP, Tennessee Angler Recognition Program, and uh I, you ought to do it i think that'd be cool to commemorate that big fish
1: yeah i might have to look into that Um, uh, i did have witnesses but i have no idea who they are they were just other people there at the restaurant <laughs> <river. laughs>
2: yeah the, the, anybody you know and I, i'm not 100 percent on that now whether you have to have somebody sign in for you it really is an honor system the agency wants to get you excited about fishing and if it was a if it was challenging that fifteen pound fish caught a few years ago, it'd be a whole different story yeah but they're not gonna they're not gonna stick make you make you worry about that that much
1: yeah i, I wish I did have something to challenge that steak record fish <laughs> that uh, thing you was may,
2: yet you're working beast. your way there
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got a long ways to go,
2: you know, I uh, thought that record would probably fall within a, a year or so, but it's it's been like four years now since that thing's been there, and it it may be tough to beat.
1: Uh, I'd say so. I, I don't think I know. I don't think I've seen anybody I know, you know, share like show me a picture of a fish coming even close to that. So, I, what, but I, there's a lot of anglers out there. A lot of people I don't know. So, there there might be some some that are pretty close to it.
2: Uh, there could be. You know, that was that was just a unique fish over in a in a, in a lake where. Where 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 the agency had stocked those those southern bass and it was a hybrid you know that hybrid vigor or whatever they call it and and uh, he just caught it at the right time right place and and I believe it was in February so I, I wouldn't worry about that I'd take I'd take a five pound bass all day long like you caught plus
1: oh uh, I ain't complaining about it you know previously <laughs> before that my my personal best was a four pounder that I caught out at Williamsport about four years ago. So, oh, you know I, I was overdue for a new personal best and and I got it a <laughs> very unexpected
2: yeah, I got a feeling you're gonna get some more personal best before it's over. those Williamsport lakes, by the way, are pretty cool uh I don't know which one you caught it out of, but man, that's a if you've never been there, your listeners haven't been there that's a a really good place to go and and potentially catch a really nice fish.
1: yeah, I caught mine out a shell cracker. But uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I yeah. yeah I used to go there quite a bit. I've only been there a couple times this year, but yeah, it, it is a really cool
2: place. You know, they got what is it like
1: four lakes that you can fish out of, I believe.
2: They do. One one of them is a, is a a youth lake, but if you're an adult and you take a youth, you can fish all day with them. They don't the agency doesn't care, but you've got to have a youth with you. The rest of them, the other three, are wide open to to everybody.
1: Yeah, and I know they they got a twenty inch limit on bass, so they got to be pretty big to keep them. And I've seen I've seen ten pounders come out of there.
2: Yeah, so. there's there's some there used to be some really good photographs of those fish you're talking about, and not just bass. You know, they, they catch some great big old catfish out of there, and some big bluegill, and some nice shellcracker out of there too. And there's one lake that has hybrids in it, or used to. And uh, they they catch some pretty big hybrids out of that, which is unique for a small lake like they
0: are.
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I actually uh, went out with a buddy one time on Blue Cat. He ended up catching a about a three pound hybrid, and, it, funny, that, and that that same day he ended up catching a five pound largemouth. and And he said that the three pound hybrid was a lot more fun than that five pound largemouth oh. when reeling <laughs> in.
2: They can pull. Last uh, time that I fished there, I fished with Joey Montaliani, and I, I know we were going to talk about bass fishing tonight, and I know the good bass fishing with all these big baits and all that. But probably the most unique trip I ever had there, I was throwing a trout magnet, little beady trout magnet, if you know what that is, not not the one that's crappie, but it's a smaller one, and I was trying to catch crappie. We were filming a show for. Uh, TWRA, and I couldn't keep the bass off of this little bee. I couldn't catch him because I had four-pound test. But those things uh, wouldn't leave that little tiny bait that probably was no more than an inch and a half, inch, inch and a half uh, long, uh, and on this little tiny jig on that lake. So you just never know. You think these bass are going to hit these great big old baits, and that day they wanted something that was just microscopic almost. I and mean, It was a lot of fun. I don't think I got any to the boat, uh, but it was fun trying to get them there.
1: But it's you saying that I've been out there before. There's been a couple times where I go out there and I'm I'm throwing jigs and you know bigger baits and whatnot, and I'm getting skunked. And then you know I see somebody else coming in and be like, hey, uh, how, how you do out there? And he's like, oh yeah, we're catching all kinds kinds of crappie, bass, and everything. Oh, well, what are you catching them on? Like, well, crappie jig like so throwing crappie just
2: catching bass and and crappie and all that you just never know what these things are going to hit and i just had on a really light line you could have fished that same bait with a little bit of heavy not a whole lot heavier but that day i was it was small it was just small and you know how wooded it can be and i think we were on shellcracker doing it you know how the shoreline is on shellcracker and of course this is in williamsport which is in murray county and um, they, they these lakes are designed to have a lot of structure on the bank, and it was just hard to get anything in. for me, I'm not good enough to get them in on a little four-pound test. But it sure <laughs> was fun watching those things hit that. Joey was throwing these big old uh, – he's throwing jigs and, and couldn't get a hit on that big bass stuff. And I was sitting there wearing them out on the little black um, trout magnet.
1: That, that, that's so cool. Uh, it, 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 I actually saw – a uh, YouTube video to, of a guy, a pretty pretty big YouTuber that fishes out of a kayak from he's from North Dakota, but he's he fishes in another state. I always forget which state it is. He fishes in another state a lot. Anyway, he was he took and put a hook on a little Lego Chewbacca like kids' toy, like little Lego <laughs> man Chewbacca. Put a hook on it. Heck yeah. He was catching fish on it. He was catching fish on
2: it. Uh, that's hilarious. That's good. Uh, just goes to show you how they're they're not always the smartest animals in the in the world. But uh, whatever works for you, that's great.
1: Well, a good lesson I took from it is it's not so much about what you're throwing all the time. It's more about where you throw it.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, if you throw it in their home, right in there, sometimes they just kind of get mad. I guess <laughs> or just. Strike it something real quick because they're sort of the boss, I guess, when they're when they're in their territory. They're the boss.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a uh, a kind of alpha male species type. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. uh, real quick before I forget, I, a buddy at work. I was telling him that I was going to be talking to you tonight, and uh, he asked me to ask you a question. Okay. He, he wants to know if you can pull some strings and uh, get get them to mow get them to mow out beside Duck River so he can go out there and bank fish because he can't get get up on the bank right now because it's so weedy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I can tell you where I'm not sure I can pull any strings at TWA anymore, but uh, what, where is he talking about? Because there are folks that that uh, that do some work. I mean, is it the Duck River on an area that the agency owns, or where, where is it? Uh. I'm not sure
1: exactly where where it is he goes. He
2: uh, he lives
1: kind of out out Bear Creek Pike going towards mm-hmm. Columbia. So he, it's a boat ramp somewhere out there. I'm not sure which one it is. He likes to go there and park and just kind of walk the bank. In the springtime, he was doing it, and he was, you know, catching some fish, and now I, I think it's scared of snakes, scared he's going to step on a snake or something, so... <laughs>
2: Scared, those weeds. <laughs> I don't know where it is, or or if I if it's on a property we could go to, or the, not we anymore, but the agency goes to go to. But ask him to call Todd St. John, and Todd is over all that fisheries in Middle Tennessee, out of the Region Two office. And Todd's a great guy, also a really good fisherman, and uh, that that's the best I could probably do for him on that ride, and just contact Todd St. John and see what he can do and. You uh, might get into a good conversation with Todd because that's the man responsible for for managing our lakes. he would be a good interview for you sometime too. For he, he heads up the management in Middle Tennessee of all our lakes and all our strings, Yeah, I'll have which to may not help your friend anybody. You, might get a good conversation.
1: Yeah, well, well, that was mainly more more of a joke question there. I I, I, <laughs> I kind of laughed at him when he said that, but but I will relay that information to him that way if he is it's serious about it. Always worth trying, it. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I was wanting to get into with you a little bit you know i I'd asked you about uh about you know asian carp and and mm-hmm. stuff that t w r a is doing or has done, and what they might be doing with uh, with trying to manage Asian carp and you know just uh conservation in general. Um, and something you did want, but before we get into this, something you did want to, uh, make sure everybody knew is you do not represent TWRA. You, you used to work there, but you don't represent TWRA.
2: Right. This, right. I this, don't mean that to sound awful, but they have spokespeople right. there now and, and Doug's getting out of the loop a little bit, but I got to see a lot of the work, Ryan, and I appreciate that. I, I got to see a lot of the work that that the biologists were doing you know, two or three years ago. And, and they've been telling folks about these things for, gosh, probably 15 years. And, and they've you know, they just become a, a greater and greater problem. And you know, I would urge folks that want to learn more and want to participate. And There's there's a lot of work, even all the way up to the congressional level. There's a lot, a lot of work and a whole lot of money yet to be spent on Asian carb. It, it is probably, in my 30 years there, uh, on the fishing side, the single biggest threat to fishing in Tennessee. On the on the wildlife side, at least for deer, you got chronic wasting disease over in West Tennessee. That's a you, you don't want chronic wasting disease, but we got it in Tennessee now, and and they're working on that real hard too. But as far as the aging carp goes, the, again the TnWildlife.org tells you a lot of what's going on. Um, the guy I worked with um, over up in Kentucky, an executive director, I mean uh, he's a county executive there. Is doing tremendous work, uh, working with Congress trying to get more money. He, he and I worked on the dam, the, the fight over the dam issue a couple years ago, and really a smart, active guy. But he's doing a lot of work trying to get money raised to find different methods and ways of stopping these things. These, are, you know, I don't know, I don't think the agency has found them reproducing in our state yet. But they're coming up these river systems, and uh, you know they eat all the small stuff that our that our fish need, and really has created a big problem in the western part of the state. But they're in Middle Tennessee, too. I saw them in the Duck River. Uh, Watched the guys do some shocking work there about five years ago. And they're in the Duck. They're in all the systems of the Tennessee River system that comes up in this area. And they are uh, they are a big problem. And, um, you know, the, um, the agencies need the help of the sportsmen, to, uh, the support of the sportsmen, not get mad at them over it because they don't want them here either. So they, they need the support of the sportsmen, and even if that means calling your local politician to say this is important and and we need to get it stopped. But th- there's a major problem, and, and the agency is working all the time to try to figure out ways to stop it. They're working with commercial fishermen and trying to get the money raised, uh, get, trying to get the fish up to a value that commercial sportsmen are willing to go out there and get their hands dirty and, and catch them and take them in. And they're trying to tell people how good they taste, and they are good. So that folks might buy them from commercial fishermen or from the markets that sell them. So there's a tremendous amount of work going on, Ron. But it's uh, it's a serious problem.
1: Um, I, I wasn't aware that they had, they were in the Duck River now. Uh, are are they also
2: in you know where we were talking earlier, the Percy Priest Stones River area? I don't think they're in uh, Stones River. They're not in Percy Priest. They're they're a rivering stream style of fish. Percy Priest wouldn't have the kind of habitat that's suitable for them. I'm okay. not saying there will never be one in there. The Stones River would be suitable, but they're – I don't know if they're in there. I've never seen them in there, but they're, in, they're more likely to be in the Harpeth River or more likely to be in uh, – I know they're in the Duck River because I saw them in Columbia all the way up to the dam, and this was five years ago. So, so. They're, uh, yeah. And there's a map on on that page on the website that shows you where they've been found so far.
1: Wow, so so they could have spread, you know, a lot further than Columbia on the on Duck River by now, because that's five years ago.
2: If they can get past, you know, there's a dam in Columbia, but they could, if they get past that or somehow get in them, yeah, they could be spreading. And, again, I, I don't want to speak for them in this case because I am out of the loop, but, yeah, they could spread. And the good news, the last I read about them, they weren't finding them reproducing. Uh, but, but, you know, still, when they reproduce wherever they are, and by the hundreds of thousands and millions, you just got a big battle on your hands, and so and you, and you know they don't bite a hook. You might get a rare fisherman who catches one every now and then, but they have to be pretty much netted out, or or you know you can go out and do bow hunting tournaments, but you'd need to have about a tournament every single night with a whole lot of people in them to affect it in any way.
1: Well, by some of the videos that I've seen online, you can pretty much you know run a flat bottom john boat with a motor on it, and they'll just jump in your boat.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, yeah.
2: You can sink a boat with those things, probably. That, that's true. That's a silver carp. There's the, the silver and the big-headed, and there's several others that are out there, but the big problem, the biggest ones are the silver carp and the big-headed carp, and the silver carp is the one that, that doesn't like the vibration of boats that are that are going to take a ride with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, people have gotten killed from that, haven't they? Like the fish? They've gotten injured.
2: I, yeah, I don't know if any, if anybody's died or not. I'm not sure on that, but they have gotten injured. I mean, if you're going 60 miles an hour down, down the river and those things start jumping, I mean, some of them are 40 and 50 pounds. So, I mean, they're pretty, they're dangerous. And you can go out and see some pretty interesting YouTube video of these things leaping against dams where they're working on them. And they're, they're a sight to see.
1: Yeah. I haven't actually seen it in person myself, but I've seen those videos. and That's just crazy to me. Um, Something that you kind of touched on. I, I was going to ask, and you kind of touched on it. Uh, how how these Asian carp affect you know our other fish, you know bass and you know eat other breeds too. But you, you said they pretty much eat up all the all the food that.
2: Yeah, uh, but the kids are not trying to sound too much like a biologist, but they're, yeah, it's a biomass thing. It's there's a whole lot of them, and they're they're filter feeders, and so all that that phytoplankton or zooplankton that's important to all fish as they get started, they eat that stuff up, and so they can affect the growth of bass or crappie. And I'm not again, I'm not saying that they have, but they can, and that's the big worry in Tennessee that they'll that they'll affect the fisheries. And there are some fishermen on Kentucky Lake that will tell you they already have. I don't go over there enough. I don't fish it over there enough to know, but uh, it, it definitely is a real threat because they're they're so uh, they're so reproductive. They just they're like you know the common carp and how much it reproduces and and how many are on our lakes. But those things they kind of go on the bottom and and stay around there and and don't get into our our up into the lot, the, the higher body of water where all that zooplankton and phytoplankton is, but these guys don't. They, they skim across the top or just below the surface and and they just eat that stuff all over the place and that's the big fear.
1: Now, um, something, something I've heard is some of the best way to stop the spreading of these fishes. Anytime you go from one body of water to another is wash your boat, wash your kayak, Make sure you, you know, get it cleaned off good so, because you can have, uh, you know I'm, I'm guessing like eggs or or something of the sort stuck to your oh, yeah. boat which can transfer Sure.
2: <clears throat> yeah, and, and that's been, the just has been touting that for, a, even back in the days, I don't know Ryan, you're a pretty young guy, but zebra mussels um, were a big fear and they're still in Tennessee and and so the agencies agencies across this country were talking about that decades ago. uh wash your boat to keep those things from being transferred from one body of water to another the same with with uh Asian carp or anything if you're going to go into a body of water we all should we all should do that uh clean our boats up, and it you know it, it it's it's a little bit of extra work to have to do, but to think about what could happen if you don't uh is you know it's it's it could affect you and your love for the sport or the pursuit of, of the fishing that you do. But it's really something we all should do.
1: Now, to your knowledge, is, that, is there a uh, specific way you should wash it and you know, just don disc soap, or is there a special soap to buy for that? Or?
2: Oh, I'd be speaking out of turn if I said that. I don't know if there's a special soap for it. I, you know, I would, if you just wash it with water and wash it down real good, that's going to help. Okay. Uh, just wash out wa- you know, wash all the stuff through your through your boat and onto the land and not onto the water and i think if you just use good old water it's going to help you uh, get it out i'm sure there's a lot of methods listed out there on websites that will tell you if you want to use a detergent not not a detergent but something really soft that won't hurt anything because even when you do it on the land it often washes back into the water uh, so but just good water just soak it down real good and clean it out with that and Use a towel, and I think you'll take care of what you need.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, you, you say it as a little extra work. The, this podcast, you know, my segment, I center around bass fishing for the most part, uh, but there's other segments to this podcast that, um, and the rest of the podcast is pretty centered just around kayak fishing. So most of the listeners of this are fishing in kayaks. So in kayak, it, it's, I feel like it's a lot simpler just to wash it down. It shouldn't be that big a deal to to wash down your kayak. You know, it's a lot sm- smaller than a big bass boat, and uh, you you ain't got all the internal pipes and stuff. So you hear hear everybody. Wash going from one going from one body of water to another. Wash that thing down. Wipe it down good. Make make sure you don't transfer these species into another waterway and whatnot.
2: And you've already done all that paddling. What's a little washing after all that's over?
1: Yeah.
2: That's a lot of work. We saw some paddlers out today, some kayakers out today on Percy Priest. and That's a lot of work out there, but what a great way to fish. But yeah, I agree with all that completely, Ryan. It's, it, it's your future. And it's, you know, hopefully we've got great fishing in Tennessee for a long time, but you got to help. And I hate that it has to be that way, these days but that's just the way it is anymore. We're always transferring uh species here and there and sometimes they like their new homes really too well and uh which is can be devastating to us as sportsmen and to our and of course to our wildlife and our fish. So I mean, anything you can do to help is is always appreciated.
1: Well, you know,
2: I I definitely like to get more involved in
1: in this kind of stuff and do my part in that. Um any Anybody out there that in the Tennessee area wants to get involved, you know, I'd encourage you to get involved. Even if you're not in Tennessee, other, other states, I'm sure, a lot more states have same or similar issues. You know, get get involved with your wildlife agencies oh. and, and, you know, try to help them out with this kind of stuff. Because I, I feel I, it's I, really important, especially if you're using these lakes and rivers mm-hmm. and whatnot, you know, I think... Feel like
2: everybody should do their part in that. They should. Uh, right. I, I, go I'm ahead. Sorry. I, I I just gonna say I I've seen people get mad at people at agencies. Uh, these biologists that are working there, men and women, they don't want this stuff and they work hard for it. And I, I think I'm seeing more and more support. Uh, folks like you will help with that. But the worst thing to do is get mad at them. They they're not wanting this stuff to happen uh, in their lakes or in their rivers. They they're proud of what they do. The support is the best thing uh, and even talking to your politicians about helping out and they had they need to understand the importance of the sportsmen and what they need and what they want and why it's important to our, our fish and wildlife in tennessee and everywhere
1: I couldn't have said it better
2: myself
1: uh but yeah i i love what twra does for the state of tennessee and um you know, you just don't. I don't think a lot of people around here realize how good we do have it with uh, with our um, fisheries and whatnot. Because some of the guys that host other segments on this podcast, you know, they're from. You know, we got some guys from Ohio, and like they came to Tennessee recently and fished and they talked about how amazing it is down here, how <clears throat> the sizes yeah. of the fish are so much better and, and all that. So it it really made me feel more thankful about um about where I live and and the areas I get to fish because they're they're not used to having what I
2: have down here so it, it made me more thankful there. We 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 do have it made. We got a bunch of lakes in this state, and incredible amounts of streams to fish for the kayakers, and uh, river river mouths and stream mouths. And I'm just telling you, just the 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 fish that are in even these little tiny bodies of water are amazing in this state. And uh, but it's it's going to take a lot of vigilance for a long time to come. And and as our numbers, I don't know if the fishing numbers will ever shrink. I hope not. But if they do, then the ones that are left there to do it are really going to have to be squeaky about what goes on and and that they're taking good care of and you know it's going to take shows like yours and and people willing to to listen to what you offer to take care of that the, the agency needs support and all agencies across the country do not not fights not battles they need to, they need help from sportsmen and, and you know
1: I, I love bass fishing you know I don't feel like well, I'm, I'm still not very good at it. I've gotten lucky time or two like I did this weekend, but I still yeah. love it regardless. And, you know, that's something that I'd like to pass down to my kids is my love for bass fishing and yeah. just fishing in general. And so that is something I that I think you're is. better than you
2: think up. you are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate it, but, yeah. Th- this year I've grown a lot. You know, I, I think that doing this podcast has helped me out a lot. Um, yeah. This, you know, I've been I've only been bass fishing for about six years now. I grew up catfish and crappie fishing with live bait. This is my, or yeah, so six years ago I started bass fishing using artificial lures, and i've I've had a I've had a hard time with uh, catching on to it. And this year, I've I've caught more fish than I've caught in the past five years combined. I've, got a new personal best so i'm
2: i'm feeling really good I about know.
1: it i'm i'm excited where i'll be this time next year so
2: that's fun time, that is so much fun
1: yeah I, I and, I and trying out
2: all the new lures and uh, you got a lot of good uh you got a lot of stuff to look forward to ryan but don't forget those crappie and those catfish <laughs> 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 they're a lot of fun still too
1: Man. hey they're good eating too uh, absolutely uh a
2: year. You uh, oh. you might want to give them Ryan a little bit more. Just where all states have good websites now on Facebooks. Uh, TWA has a an excellent Facebook, and uh, you know it's just Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. And then of course their website is tnwildlife.org, and it connects to the Facebook. They have Instagram and. They're doing all that fancy social media stuff now over at the agency, and it's a good way to learn more about it. They have a podcast called Tennessee's Wild Side, and they put on a lot of their biologists there, and they talk about the Asian carp issues and the chronic wasting disease issues and, and the good stuff too, not not just things that they have to worry about constantly. But all that information is available out there uh, for the sportsman to look at and uh, can learn a lot of information in just a few minutes of time, really, uh, but it's all there. If you want to, if you want to educate yourself on what's going on in your state, um, the, these websites and these Facebooks provide that information.
1: I was I was not aware that there was a podcast for that. What What do you say
2: it was called again? Tennessee it, Wildcats? It's Side? called Tennessee Wildcast. Tennessee Wildcast. Wildcast. And it's an agency okay. podcast, and they air it. Uh, they put it out. Stays on their website, but they they'll put it out a lot of times on the Facebook. Sometimes go live with it. Going live with it a lot now. In fact. And uh, you never know. I think there was a show recently where they talked about chronic wasting disease. But there's shows where this aging carp issue has been discussed at length. And they archive all their shows. So you can go out there on the website and find all the previous shows. I think, gosh, there are 150 shows or so now. And that's one that actually started while I was still there. The first couple of years I took over a, a position there. And, and a guy named Jason Harmon. Is hosting it now, and he just does a terrific job with it. And he goes all over the state. He's not just in Middle Tennessee; he'll go to East, West, Middle. He'll go everywhere, and and have on biologists and wildlife officers and talking about issues. And he goes outside the agency too and talks to folks that are expert in certain fields concerning fish and wildlife in Tennessee.
1: I'm gonna have to look more into that. I, I never uh, knew that. I actually follow TWRa Facebook page, and you know I keep up with. Some of the stuff they post, they post a lot of stories of, you know, uh, different animals they found and and just some some pretty cool stuff that they post. They do.
2: Yeah, if you and, ever get uh, a chance to watch any Barry Cross videos, watch them. Barry is uh, he's a sportsman and a half, but he's a great videographer. Uh, Barry Cross, and uh, if you get a chance to watch him, you should watch whatever Barry does.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to check him out.
2: And he'd be a good he'd be a good guest for you sometimes too, Ryan. He'd be a good to talk about what's going on with a lot of the stuff. He's he uh, he's a guy that replaced me when I was in Middle Tennessee as a when I was the spokesman out of Middle Tennessee, and he's but he's just a talented guy with a camera and he's a great storyteller.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to get with you after we're done with this interview. I I, I bet you could give me several good names of just glad to. good yeah. fishermen and whatnot around Middle Tennessee. Uh, I I would like to, uh, you know, a a lot of this podcast, you know, it started out in Illinois and then they started adding segments and, and, you know, most of the other, uh, most of the other hosts are from like Illinois and Ohio. I'm the only one from Tennessee. So, you know, I want to kind of get the, you know, a Tennessee and more Southern areas in more involved with this podcast and grow it, grow it some more. So,
2: so, yeah, you I'm do gonna, that with yeah. your networking and 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 people that you meet at the agency and there's just a zillion stories out there that will make your podcast even better. I appreciate you doing this podcast. We need to keep the outdoors alive as much as possible, and I'm glad that you're doing. You're representing Tennessee.
1: Well, I, I appreciate it. I, this is something that I, I enjoy doing. You know, I, I get a little nervous before every phone call. <laughs> <laughs> But but once we get going, you know, I I get a little more comfortable, but I enjoy doing it. I feel like it's helped me out a lot as an angler. You know, I've learned a lot of stuff, and, you know, this this has been really cool talking to you and learning about a lot of this stuff that people don't really, you know, talk about as much, don't really see as much.
2: Uh, You're you're welcome to contact me by Facebook or call me or whatever that you need to do, you know. Keep spreading the word out there i'm I'm retired, but I still love our outdoors and I'm retired in part to take a to participate in it a little bit more. I just hope it's better than it was today
1: well, I appreciate everything that you've done to to uh that uh, like get tendencies where it's at with all this wildlife stuff you've you've done a lot on i i guess it said promotional side you know talking with anglers and and hunters and you know a, a lot of the media stuff you, you've had that covered and a lot of people like i said earlier a lot of people respect you a lot of people um, you know look up to you just far that far as that stuff goes so I, yeah i really i just really appreciate everything you've done for uh for this state
2: well thank you ryan hey, it was a real pleasure in my life to being able to do it and i i, I thank you for saying that and uh, you sound like a good person to kind of take it and and uh, keep on doing it. I just can't urge you enough to keep on doing it and have fun with it. Just make sure you keep having fun with it. And and I hope you have a long career of talking to the sportsmen about what we've got and how lucky we are. Well,
1: I, I, I plan on it, you know. Maybe more on the kayak side, but I'm, I'm going to try to right. work some more boaters and whatnot. And... and and I, I would like to get more TWRA people in here to uh, talk more about the behind-the-scenes stuff that people, other regular anglers, don't really get to see as much.
2: Oh, I think it's imperative. I, th- I think you need to know what your the folks that are working on the things that you love. You need to know what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they do it and and uh, what the, what their worries are and 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 what they're happy about. And you'd be surprised. And you'd be surprised at some of the things that's going on. And and uh, sometimes when you think things are really poor, they're not near as poor as you think they are. And I got to see that a lot in years where I heard about how terrible old hickory was or Percy Priest was, and you go out with these guys and watch them do electrofishing, and, and all these fish just come bowling up, and it makes you feel bad about yourself because <laughs> yeah. the fish are there. You just ain't catching them.
1: <laughs> you just, you just ain't, ain't wiggling your worm,
2: right, you know? <laughs> it just happens, yeah. Yeah, they were there today. You just Doug wasn't good enough to catch them, but they were there. Yeah, that, that's
1: one thing that I've learned this year is, um, you know, a lot of people say, like, well, they just they just ain't biting today. You know, I, I'm i kind of getting to the point where I kind of feel like, you know, it's not necessarily they ain't biting. It's like you're just not throwing what they want to bite or presenting it in the right way.
2: You're like, – I I that, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I agree. All right. So call got dropped.
1: Here we are back.
0: <laughs>
1: We're uh, about to wrap it up anyway there. Um, so, uh, Doug, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You know, I'd love to have you back on sometime, you know, talk about some more stuff if if you're ever a- able to. Sure. Um, now, this part of the show, I usually, you know, ask my guests if they have any sponsors or anybody they want to shout out, or there's social media where people can find them and, and follow them. Uh, you want to? I,
2: yeah, I appreciate you doing that, Ryan. My, my sponsor days are done; <laughs> those <laughs> days are behind me. But but uh, if you want to come on my Facebook, and I'll get a little more active on it now that the fall fishing's coming on. But it's just Doug Markham. M um, A R K H A M, M A R K H A M, and and I think I'm, there's several Doug Markhams out there. One of them, one of them referees um, wrestling, but that's not me. <laughs> so I, I'll be the one that's doing the fishing stuff. It's just Doug Markham, and uh, out of Tennessee, out of Nashville. And and again, I appreciate the time and you doing the interview and you talking about the outdoors and good interview. Thank you for for uh, including me. Uh like I said, it, it was an honor.
1: You know, you're basically a local celebrity around here. Uh, <laughs> but, but Yeah, I re- really appreciate you coming on. Uh, just to go over some of the show sponsors real quick, we got Rocktown Paddle Sports, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers. Um got Jig Master Jigs. Uh, make sure you use promo code PNF20 to get 20% off your order. Uh, Hammered Lures. Don't forget about their uh, used plastics recycling program. All your beat-up used soft plastics, put them in a bag, save them up. When you get a bunch, save them, send them to the address in the show notes. He's going to melt them down, make new plastics out of them, and he's going to donate them to Heroes on the Water. Uh, check out the, uh, the website, Paddle and Fin at dot If you need to email the show, paddleandfin at com. Um please if you enjoy the podcast, rate and review it's gonna get us out in front of, of more people. You know, hopefully more people find the show, get more listeners. Uh other than that, <laughs> timeline.
0: What's up, boys and girls? Just wanted to take a quick minute to talk to you about the Paddle and Fin gear. If you haven't seen it yet, go to Paddle, the letter N in fin.com. Go click that store tab at the top. Check out the store. We got tons of t-shirt designs, long sleeves, hoodies, phone cases, you name it, it's on there. Give it a gander.